Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. Good evening, Victoria, and thank you for joining me here on this uh what is it, episode 75 of the 5th Estate for Thursday, 19th of October, 2022. Oh, boy. So, I'm looking forward to one of those days where there's nothing for me to rant about, nothing for me to talk about, except it doesn't look like there's going to be any time like that, you know, I'd say anytime soon because there's always something going on where you just sit there and you think, yep. All right, so kicking it off, uh, Daily Mail. Major bank is accused of deserting Aussies as it closes another 23 branches across the country. Westpac has announced it will close a further 23 branches across Australia. Four Aussie towns have now lost their financial, uh, their final branch due to Westpac's decision. Um. This is the thing. Um, when you look at it, I think that we're solely to blame for this. Uh, we've accepted poor service. We've accepted, uh, you know, them being open, <laughs> you know, within, a, you know, for a couple of hours a day and, and all that sort of stuff. So, and we've also embraced the whole tap and go and um, f post and swiping and, and all that sort of crap and, and, you know, to a certain extent, online banking. Uh, so what do we expect is going to happen? Uh, you know, these organi- you know, organisations, they're, they're no longer honouring their social contract with us. They're just there to uh, solely uh, gain, you know, make profit, which, you know, they're entitled to as a... Um, private business, though it's the thing uh, that when we look at it, deregulation of the industry hasn't worked because, uh, you know, they they ramp up their fees, they give us poor service, Uh, you go to a bank and, you know, there's only, what, one or two tellers there, it's hard to get service uh, and and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's the thing, you know, what what do we expect is going to happen? And you know what? This is just another way that they're going to push us on to, uh, you know, electronic banking, uh, which is going to then lead into the central bank digital currency because, you know, oh, well, you've been doing the similar, essentially the same thing for the last 10 years. Uh, You know, this is going to be no different. So you're not going to see any disruption in your life. Whereas the big disruption is you can't go to a bank, you can't go to teller, you can't get cash out. Uh, So... Yeah, this, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, we need to put pressure on, actually put pressure on the states. And I have ranted about this before, uh, that the states need to exert their constitutional authority to create their own state bank again. Uh, You know, you can do it with the state. The states can create their own bank and insurance as long as it trades within that state. So, you know what? Let's start the State Bank of Victoria again. Um, you know, just have it within everything within the state, no branch across any borders or anything like that, just solely in Victoria. And then that way we can do it, 
you know, the, the bank becomes owned by the people of Victoria. It's not um, subject to uh, Commonwealth Oversight, which is, what is it, APRA, the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority or something like that. Um, and then, you know, just start opening up where these places are closing down, open up the state bank there and bring, uh, you know, something back into the communities. And, you know, this is what we need to be doing. And, you know, talking about that, that is going to be one of the things that I am talking about when my uh, special podcast, uh, you know, Rebuilding Victoria, uh, I think that's what I'm going to call it, haven't decided yet, uh, is finally released on adding bits and pieces of it uh, over the next, uh, you know, between now and, and the weekend. I've decided that it will be a weekend one, so it gives me a better chance to sit down because it is going to be a long one, might be an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, haven't finished uh, that yet, but, you know, it, it's my thoughts on how we can save Victoria and essentially how we can save the country because when we look at it, this election... Uh, is going to be an important one because if the Labor Party retain government uh, in Victoria, it's going to be one of those things which has bucked the trend because normally uh, when Australia goes to vote, if there's a, you know, a federal Liberal Party, for example, there'll be state Labor. If there's a federal Labor Party, there'll be state Liberal. So... It's a thing. I mean, this election could be the one that that bucks everything because, you know, you have a look at Victoria. There's an incompetent opposition, and there's a dictatorial state premier. So, uh, you know, which one would you like? Uh, you know, the the plain evil one or just the incompetent one? Um, so, so yeah. Oh, but anyway, um, and enough of that depressing stuff. Um, so yeah, that's the thing. You know, create a state bank. We can, you know, the, the banks can go back into those regions. Um, you know, develop uh, relationships with local farmers and all that sort of stuff, and and go back to the way that banking used to be, where you know you got to know the bank bank manager and the bank manager approved things rather than just oh, sorry, computer says no. And, and all that sort of stuff. So, but anyway, um, you know what? I, I can, you know, let's say keep dreaming. Uh, but yeah, you know what? I, I still hold out that one day someone will just wake up and say, yep, this is what we need to do. This is how we bring the state back um, for that one. So, anyway, we'll wait and see. Uh, now, talking about uh, the dictatorial state premier. Uh, once again, going to the Daily Mail, it says, How draconian lockdowns led to surge in alcohol-related deaths and more than double the number of Aussies died from suicide than COVID. Um, so, once again, it has come out that the prevention was worse than the cure. Um, is that the way it is? Anyway, what it is, whatever it is, it was worse than disease. Anyway, um, yeah. It's uh, extended lockdowns in Sydney and Melbourne last year coincided with a surge in alcohol-related deaths to a record high, but flu fatalities were almost eliminated. Uh, draconian restrictions in Australia's two biggest cities have been associated with mental health problems with suicide a much more common cause of death than COVID. Alcohol-related re- deaths, alcohol deaths in 2021 climbed by 5.8% with 15 
859 people dying from poisoning or liver damage. New ABS uh, Australian Bureau of Statistics data has revealed. Of those who died last year, 74% of, or 1,156 of them were male, with females making up the rest of the 403 deaths. I... What, what do you say to this? I mean, you know, people talked about this right from the start that these measures were going to kill people and these lockdowns were going to kill people. The lockdowns were going to be worse than what this bug was. And yet Slugger and Supreme Leader Andrews and the the COVID commander and, and all those other individuals um, disregarded that, called everyone who said that conspiracy theorist and, and everything like that and locked us up because we had to keep granny safe, we had to keep our children safe, we had to keep our neighbours safe. And as we, you know, I'm hoping that you've heard or seen the footage where the uh, head of Pfizer said there was no... Uh, research or studies into the uh, neutralizing effect of the jab. So, yeah, it, it's it's the thing. And this is one of the moments where reading this and you know knowing that these evil people thumbed their nose to it and and disregarded it, it's. It's the it, it's times like this where I, I just turn around and say, you know what, stuff my plan of putting them in Fed Square, let's find the deepest, darkest hole we can find and just kick them into it because they don't deserve to have any existence after this. The, 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 the crap that they've put us through for the last two years and they gleefully and joyfully got up there and sprouted these lies time after time after time. And let's also lay the blame at the corrupt corporate press who never pushed them, who never challenged them and went along with this scaremongering campaign of, of keeping everyone scared and, and fearful that the woo flu was going to kill them or they had to stay away because, you know, oh, you know, you, you might catch the, you know, you might have the woo flu and, and pass it on to um you know, pass it on to your neighbours or anything like that. Um, so, I mean, it is it is sad. Um, and what do you do? What? How? How do we respond? With how do we come back from it? How do we turn around and say that? You know, this is never going to happen again. What? What? Play, what measures do we put in place? to say, no, it's never going to happen again. Uh, if you have a look at, at, and the article will be in the show notes, it said suicide was the 15th leading cause of death while COVID was the 34th most common reason for someone dying. For males, suicide was the 10th most common cause of death with men accounting for three quarters of, the, uh, of those who took their own lives. The suicide rate was 12 for every 100,000 people with mental health problems, substance abuse and chronic diseases regarded as common risk factors. Intentional self-harm was the cause of death for 2,358 people in 2021. 
Suicide was the leading cause of child death, with 112 children taking their lives in years when schools were closed. These, these people need to be held accountable for this. Um, and it says, by comparison, 1,122 people died of COVID, split between 660 male deaths and 462 female deaths. They, they need to, then there needs to be some sort of, of reckoning or, or something there that says, you know what, no, we, you know, we need to make, then let's just call it is what it is, what we need to see happen. There needs to be some sort of rebellion where we, the Australian population and, and people of Victoria, put our foot down and say, no, this is never, ever going to happen again. And, you know, that rebellion needs to happen in November this, the rebellion needs to happen at election day because if we vote the uni party in again, then we will repeat this. And the those statistics that I read out just now are going to be twice as bad the next time that we accept what the government tells us to do, when the government locks us down, when the government keeps our children at home, forces us, you know, closes the schools and says you have to keep your children at home, when the government turns around and says... No, you're not an essential employer. You don't get to go to work. You don't get to earn money. You don't get to earn a living. Or when the government turns around and says, no, you haven't participated in this therapeutic trial. No, you can't go anywhere. You can't go to the library. You can't go here. You can't go there. And it's the thing. The the next one is going to be worse because we've shown them that we will just accept what they're putting down on us. And, and 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 this is the thing. I mean, there, you know, the second time it might be quiet that if we just accept it again, I'd be willing to bet if they tried it a third time, if we survived and they tried it a third time, there wouldn't be any quiet opposition to it. I think it will be a, a, a loud, vocal, messy opposition to it. Um, and... And this is the thing, we don't want that to happen. So we need to oppose the uni party now. We need to write to our local members, write to our prospective candidates that are, you know, slowly putting their hands up for, for nomination or for the election that, that's coming up and get their opinion on it. Get their opinion on it. See what they say. And, you know, we need to make sure that they will be the ones that will do their best to ensure that this does not happen again. And it's it's going to involve repealing the whole Public Health and Wellbeing Act. Get rid of it. We don't need it. We're all adults. We're all, you know, we're all sufficiently competent enough to be able to make our own public health and wellbeing decisions and not have some corrupt bureaucrats decide for us what what we should do. And and let's remember, Jerome Weimar was the one justifying schools being closed and playgrounds being closed by saying that kids were throwing up and passing out. That's how sick they were. And and who's held him accountable for that? No one. 
because the corrupt corporate press has just let it go. So he's stepped into his next cushy, what is it, half a million dollar a year job as head of the um, Olympic, uh, sorry, Commonwealth Games Committee. Um, you know, because the machinery, he served the machinery well. He served the system well and now the system's rewarding him by giving him a cushy role where he's going to be doing stuff all for the next, what, when is it? When he actually, what is it, 26? I think so, the next four years. Um, so, yeah, it's it's that yeah, we need to... <sighs> Yeah, something needs to happen. Um, so yeah, um, and speaking of, of pushing back and that we need to do things, um, a Sydney Health Organisation, ACON, which is what is ACON, um, the AIDS Council of New South Wales, uh, has turned around and said that parents, they're not going to be referring to people as mother and father um, because this is uh, replacing the words would promote inclusion. The words to be would be replaced with primary caregiver and secondary caregiver. Like who's primary and who's secondary? Um, so uh, this organisation, ACON, is, which is primarily funded by the New South Wales government, also receives money from the ABC. Surprise, surprise. Lobby group has suggested the word mother and father be replaced with primary caregiver and secondary caregiver. In our training video, HR staff were told to avoid using gender terms when writing office policies to ensure gender norms are not reinforced. Well, I think we're losing the culture war. Um, I think it's it, it, it's almost at the point where no, we've lost it. And I mean, you know what? The first thing we need to be doing is just opposing HR. Um, yes, you know, it could be argued I work in that industry too because I do industrial relations, though, as other IR practitioners have said, that we come in when HR stuff's up. So um, it was a, a you know, a, a big thing oh, a couple of IR conventions ago. Um, when it was, you know, the discussion gets around to that as it does um, for those practitioners of, of the craft. Uh, and, you know, it was that, you know, we shouldn't be under the HR banner, HR should be under the IR banner and it should all be encompassing under industrial relations because essentially that's what it is. Uh, and then that got a few people upset and it gets lawyers upset too because, yeah, it, it's one of those things is that, there's a lot of egos involved in, in, in that industry. There's a lot of people who um, I won't say mean well or well are well intentioned. I think that they're just being swayed by the die um, DIE and they they're just obsessed with that because they need to be the next bit, you know, the, the next thing that comes along and the next thing that comes along. Uh, and just instead of turning around and uh, you know, just going with open book management, engaging with the workforce. Oh, no, we've got to create these surveys. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to have diversity, inclusion and equity in everything. Like, really? Anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> won't go down that rabbit hole there because that is one that uh, will probably get me into a lot of trouble. Uh, so 
thankfully no one from, or I, I don't think anyone from the HR industry listens to this. Um, actually, you know what, they're, they're most likely not going to because it's not pushing their narrative of um, all the stuff that they want to push. But anyway, so yeah, this is the thing. So uh, Akon uh, receives about $30 million a year uh, from the New South Wales government and about $4 million from organisations who sign up as members. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it, what do you do? What do you do? We just need to get the big bash broom out and just sweep, sweep everything out, starting at the government, sweep everything out and go through all these organisations and just, yep, push the crap out. Uh, so, yeah, now... Speaking of pushing crap out, um, which nice little segue, uh, looks like that uh, Matthew Guy is getting a bit of a spine, uh, developing a bit of a backbone because, according to the Herald Sun, yesterday he came out and said that they would um, amend the Equal Opportunity Act to give more power to faith-based schools to hire all staff on the basis of religion if he wins the election in November and not just those in religious positions. Recent changes to the state's Equal Opportunity Act means religious schools cannot refuse to hire people based on protected attributes such as sexuality, religion, gender identity or marital status. The only exemption is religious beliefs where it is part of the job, such as chaplain or Christian educated education teacher. Um, is this enough to save the Liberal Party? I don't think so. Uh, because we know Matthew Guy has to be one of the worst Liberal Party leaders uh, of of modern time. Um, you know what? I, yeah, actually, I would. And you know that bar was set pretty low by the uh, previous federal leader. Uh, I think it's a race to see who could get lower, who could get under that bar between uh, the state leader here in Victoria and the federal leader in Queensland. Um, so I don't know. I mean, uh, I think Matthew Guy saying that, whether he follows through with it or not, is a different story because he could turn around and say, oh, you know, we tried to do it, but, you know, that pesky upper house, they said no because... You know, so anyway, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But honestly, I'm not holding my breath. It's uh, just something where I think he's trying to win back votes. Um, and, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. As I said, I, I, it, it's just something where, yeah, anyway, yeah, I mean, Speechless talk, talking about these people because they're, they're just so freaking incompetent. Uh, but anyway, um, I think the last one for today is uh, another one by the Herald Sun. Record numbers of Victorians are vaping with school nurses being trained to fight the scourge. Um, calls are growing for a crackdown on vape retailers amid an alarming spike in young women adopting the dangerous habit. Uh 18 to 30-year-olds now account for more than half of all cigarette users in Victoria, 54%, with health experts warning the state faces a slow-motion train wreck. 
A Victorian smoking, smoking and health survey released this week also found a concerningly large uptick in the number of young f- females aged 18 to 24 vaping on e-cigarettes, up from 2.8% in 2018-19 to 5.15.2 sorry, percent in 2022. Uh, and the survey found there has been an almost five-fold increase in the number of people who did not smoke but now vape. This is the thing. Um, okay, in, a, in Victoria, it is illegal to sell e-cigarette devices or accessories containing nicotine to adults without a prescription. It is illegal to sell e-cigarette products to under-18s. Um, and this is the thing. The, you know, the... the Small government, keep out of my life part of me says, well, you know what, they're adults, let them do what they want uh, and everything like that. Though the side of me that says, nope, this isn't good, isn't going to be, you know, isn't there pushing, isn't going to say, hey, we need more reform. What we need is we need better services, we need better community support so uh, community support systems, so these people won't take up that habit. You know, so regardless, of what is it? is it a mental health problem? Why why they they're taking this up? Is it uh, a social problem? What is it? What is the reason for these people taking up this habit? Um, because you know, it, it's it's not a good habit. It's not like you know, someone who exercises too much and and all that sort of stuff. Which also does have its, um, you know, leading to other problems and, and all that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, it's, you know, this is the thing. What what do we do about it? Um, more regulation. Why do we ne- need to regulate things that uh, adults are able to do? You know, the, the, the government is there to protect our rights and to ensure, ensure our rights aren't infringed. The government isn't there to tell us what we can and what we can't do as functioning adults of a um, alleged or supposed uh, free and democratic society. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think the, the solution is that we need to yeah, engage with the community more, get these people involved in communities. So whatever um, challenges or, or issues are going on in their life that they won't resort to, to those habits. And it's the same as those who drink all the time uh, and, and things like that. You know, we need to find, you know, need to dig in and as a society and as a community, it is up to us to ensure that those people don't do that. Uh, and they don't take up the habit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, it's but it, it's a thing, and I'm not going to say yep. We need to decriminalise everything. Um, I, as I've said before, uh, especially when I was talking about the legalisation cannabis thing by uh, the Liberal Democrats. Whilst I do support the decriminalisation of it, uh, I don't think that as a state. We're mature enough for that. I think that we need to uh, have these, um, as much as I'd like these freedoms given back to us straight away, 
uh, I don't think that we would be in a position to uh, adequately respond to it. I think if, if we just decriminalised everything and, and everything came back, it, it would just be an absolute disaster uh, because, as I said, as a society we're not mature enough um, and I think as a society we don't have enough uh, support systems in place for those who will have uh, who will let, who those products will have a negative effect on. So, but anyway, it's yeah, it's just interesting to know, and and I wonder how much of that ties in with uh, the alcohol and other substance abuse problems uh, that that um, I talked about earlier on in the show. So, yeah, it, it's the thing. I, I think that there's there's a whole lot that needs to be done. Uh, more regulation isn't the way to do it. Uh, so yeah, but. Anyway, um, I think I might wrap it up now. Um, as for those who who you know, for those who came in late, uh, if you want to contact me, you can send an email to Cameron at the fifth dot estate. So that is T H E F I F T H dot estate. Um, feel free to email me questions, concerns, or just have a rant or about something that I completely stuffed up. Uh, and yeah, we'll we'll see how we go with that. So. Anyway, thank you for listening and I look forward to having you join me on the next one. So until then, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate, the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. And we'll keep holding those in power in check. <laughs>